0: Amen. You may be seated. The word of God comes to us. Muted? Good heavens! They muted me. Could that be? The Word of God comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter, at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Jesus and the passage you want to consider this morning continues on from there, chapter 2 verse 1 now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the Jews for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him when Herod the king heard this So far this reading of God's word. Father, this is your word, your word of grace and goodness and love and mercy to us. And we pray, O Holy Spirit of God, that you would open these words to us, that would you would open us to these words, that you would write them on the pages of our hearts, our souls all that we are, to the glory of our Savior Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. In the VeggieTales video, The Toy That Saved Christmas, the good citizens of Dinkletown had Christmas, but they didn't get it. The citizenry was pretty much unanimous, adults and children alike. Christmas was all about getting. And that thought was fostered and furthered and profited by by Mr. Wally P. Nezer who owned the local toy factory. And he perpetuated that notion. In the story, the current must-have toy was Buzzsaw Louie. Not only did... uh, Buzzsaw Louis have in his right hand a real operating buzzsaw, as many of you know. Uh, but he also knew the true meaning of Christmas. That's what Mr. Nezra stressed in all of his Christmas advertising. Uh, so not only was there this operating uh buzzsaw in Louis's right hand, but if you pressed Louis's nose, Uh, He said things such as, you need more toys, or Christmas is when you get stuff, or Billy has more toys than anyone. One of the Dinkletown boys was crying and whining that, "Billy, Billy has more toys than me. Billy has more toys than me. His dad finally said, who in the world is Billy? I don't know, but he has more toys than me. But one of the bus saw boys probably had a mind and a conscience. And it struck him that there was something wrong about this celebration of Christmas. What it was, he had no idea. But he knew that This just wasn't right. And so he broke out of his box and he snuck out of the factory and he went on the hunt to see what was wrong with this whole idea of Christmas. And through a set of circumstances and events that fell out, he came to hear the story of the birth of Jesus from the Bible. And he got it. In the words of the narrator, he came to realize that Christmas isn't about getting, it's about giving. It is, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal. We give in response, do we not? Well, this passage that we're looking at tells us something about the first Christmas gift. It doesn't tell us much about the first Christmas gift givers. Uh, we don't know much about them at all. We're not even sure how many, despite the hymn, who well, are the Christmas carol. we don't know how many of them were. They came from the East, which... It's not a whole lot, maybe Persia, maybe ba- Babylon, but there's a lot of turf east of Pal- Palestine. We know they aren't kings, despite that same carol. We know they're not kings. But they may very well have been king makers. They were apparently astronomers who we call wise men. And they came to Jerusalem and to Bethlehem bearing gifts. Now here are some things about that, those gifts. Three major things, three primary things to learn about the gifts that the wise men brought that are germane to you and me today. In the first place, the first big thing to notice is that those first Christmas gifts were given they weren't exchanged. We keep lists, don't we, of who gave what to whom, when, and all of that stuff. Oh, you may or may not keep written lists, but we keep lists. I have a cousin uh, who's four years older than I, who is the closest thing to a sibling I've ever had. And I remember we both got out of college. And and he had uh, taken a job. He was living at the time, either in St. Louis or in Pittsburgh. He had been transferred from one to the other. And it was Christmas time, and we exchanged gifts. And so I went to the store, and uh, I bought him what I thought was a pretty nice gift. It was a, it was a scarf, a men's scarf. Uh, I remember it as cashmere, but I think it was probably Lamb's and uh, But it was a gift, I had a gift wrapped and everything, and I sent it to him. And, uh, and I received a gift from him. And uh, it wasn't the next year, and the next Christmas, I think it was the following Christmas. Uh, I bought a gift, sent it to him, opened my gift from him, and recognized immediately that scarf. <laughs> now, we're both from New Orleans. I was still in New Orleans, or in the New Orleans environs. I, I really didn't need a scarf. Uh, and I had paid more than I had budgeted for his gift and uh, proof that we keep lists or at least one of us does. That was over 50 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday morning. We keep lists. Uh, we exchange gifts rather than give them so often. And those gifts that they gave to Jesus weren't meant to impress anyone else. Not even Mary or Joseph. Some cynic, some poor, jaded, uh, jaundiced person uh, has has written that we buy gifts we can't afford to give to people who don't need them in order to impress people we don't like. I don't think that's 100% true. But I do believe there's that there's some things that are true about it. Those gifts they gave to Jesus were valuable. Did you read what it says? They opened their treasures. They opened their treasure box. They didn't open their coin purse. They were not only valuable, they were significant gifts. Remember remember that woman who brought the vial, of the jar of alabaster jar of of expensive perfume, and she broke it and she poured it out on Jesus. She anointed him. Do you remember what the disciples thought about that and how they misread the whole thing and, and how they they fussed about it what we could have done with the money that that vow cost <laughs> Well, as good as it is that we remember one another this time of year and all year long as good as it is that we give gifts to one another. This passage raises the question, doesn't it, but what have you given to Jesus? Those first Christmas gifts were brought to Jesus, they were laid at the manger. What have you and I given to him? That's why Paul writes that in the 12th chapter of Romans. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That to the third major thing to see about those gifts. They brought the gifts to Jesus. Pardon me, in a second they didn't see. They brought their gifts to Jesus. They presented them to him in worship. We have come to worship him, verse 2 of the text that they told Herod. That's the theme of the passage. That's the whole idea. That's what Matthew's teaching us about, telling us about. The idea of worship. That's why we don't know how many wise men there were. That's why we don't know where they were from, what exactly they did. That's why we don't know any more about them. We don't need to. It's not about them. That's why we don't know more about the star and the astronomy and all that of the, the age. We don't need to. It's not about it. Know what they did? They bowed before Jesus, they worshiped him, and they presented their gifts as an act of worship to this one in the manger. There are three kinds of people, I guess, three categories in all this. There are those like Herod who are out to destroy Jesus. And everything and everyone associated in any way with him. And, and there's the growth of that that you and I see in the West and in America, in our politics and in our legalese and in just living in the community. And, and, and then there are those who just ignore him, totally and completely, go their own way and just ignore him. There were then, there are now, and it's part of the majority of the people. And then, and then, there are those who bow before him. Wise folks still do. Their giving was part of that worship. And note that it was joyful. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Which brings us now to the third big point to make about all this. Those things, those gifts they brought to Jesus in worship, what enabled his ministry his mission on this earth verse 5 well before that he came to fulfill prophecy that was his mission that was his ministry to fulfill what the prophets had said so in verse 5 his Herod's advisors uh, tell him that this child that these men are looking for uh, was born in Bethlehem of Judea for so it is written by the prophet And had we continued reading beyond where I stopped, we would have gone to the part that tells about, in verse 14 and 15, Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Isaiah's prophecy there that That Matthew is quoting. My son there is Israel, the nation. But it's pointing to Jesus, who is the personification of Israel as the living, true son of God. And then we would have gone to verse 17 which said, then was fulfilled once Joseph and Jesus and Mary had left Bethlehem for Egypt. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah about the weeping and mourning of mothers in Jerusalem. Because Herod had sent uh, his people there uh, to kill every male child under the age of two. It's called uh, the slaughter of the innocents. And then, after Herod's death, in verse 23, you read, And Joseph went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So that, fulfill the prophets, fulfill the prophets, fulfill the prophets. But here's the question, how in the world would they get, you know, here's a, I take it to be a teenage couple. It's a man who works with his hands, a carpenter, or a stonemason, a builder, whatever you want to call it. They're newlyweds. They had to travel from Galilee to Bethlehem. I wonder what, I mean, what was a, what did a camel ticket cost from Bethlehem to Egypt in those days? And I wonder if children rode free. You know. You got to wonder these things. Where'd they get the money? Where'd they get the wherewithal to do to, to that traveling? Oh, there was gold and there was frankincense and there was myrrh. Now I know that Jesus would have survived. I know that Jesus would not have been murdered in infancy. You know it too. You know that God was sovereign all of all, all of this that he would certainly bring his child to the fullness and to the end of his ministry. But God uses me. I put a, a, a reprint of a, of a column from World Magazine I want to take it down from uh, about just how it came that that baby uh, in the manger all of the things that had to fall out in human history—it's a wonderful Bible study of just the flow of all the stuff that had to happen for Jesus to lay in that manger in Bethlehem that first Christmas day. Pick one up; it's worth reading. There are there are prophecies upon prophecies about Jesus and his work that are yet to be fulfilled. That our being will be fulfilled in and through and by his church. Just think of some of the great mission hymns. We have a story to tell to the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right A story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and light. Or that other one, published glad tidings, tidings of peace, tidings of Jesus' redemption and release. And we can multiply those. The point is that God uses means, and the means that he usually uses are you and me and our gifts and he uses those things and those people to fulfill all of his promises and prophecies and then, didn't matter. I was doing pretty well till I got there and whatnot and then somebody out there is thinking what I'd probably be thinking were I out there I didn't have the rest of the conclusion there in front of me. Good night, man. I cannot believe it. It's Christmas. And the man is talking about money. I'm not. I haven't said a word about money. Not a word. And won't. So much bigger. It's so much bigger, so much more demanding than that. That cheapens it. Christina Rossetti, remember her poem, What Can I Give Him, as Poor as I Am? If I were a shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. Yet, if I were a wise man, I'd do my part. Yet, what can I give him? Give him my heart. Was as Isaac Watts put it, you know, talking about the cross, to be sure, it's a context of the cross, but that's the context of the whole incarnation, is it not? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. It is about giving, it is about the gift. May I suggest a gift this Christmas. O oh, Jesus, Lord and Master, I give myself to Thee. Lord Jesus Christ who loved us with the love of the Father and agreed to come into this world and be like us and know the frailties of the flesh of our humanity and who walked with the Father in perfect obedience as we yearn to do and cannot and do not that you might give yourself for us O God our Father who loved the world and gave your Son God the Spirit who has put into our hearts love for our God and Savior. Hear us, your people, in the silence of this moment as we respond to the gift above all gifts, the gift of all Hear us as we pray. Amen. Perhaps we should have rearranged the order of worship, but at this point in time, we bring our tithes and offerings. This is an exercise for the people of, that are South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here, uh, but don't feel obligated to take part in this part of the worship. Uh, Unless you feel feel led to by the Lord, then don't uh, deny Him. But uh, this is our exercise, and uh, we bring our tithes and gifts and offerings to the Lord.